Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast. Happy November. I'm Kevin Selly, joined by Gordon Mack. Got a smattering of different stories for you to recap today. Gordon, uh, happy Monday oh. to you. Are we getting a new uh, edition of the NCAA Cross Country Show this week? Well, here's the thing. I forgot to update our ticker because our ticker says it's Halloween, and it's not Halloween anymore. Halloween has passed, so I need to update the ticker. So... I apologize to people who are watching the YouTube version mm. and they think it's still Halloween. Unfortunately, Halloween came to an end last night. Uh, trick-or-treating is over. No more dressing up as random Netflix TV show cookies, which is what I did. But anyway, did, all right. Did you get trick-or-treaters? Hot Cats is ready. Uh, no, no trick-or-treaters came, but I did have a bunch wow. of young adults come to my house Saturday night dressed up as a bunch of different things. We had three mm-hmm. people dress up as Guy Fieri, which is like, what are the wow. odds that at one party, three different people are all the same person? Pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, two soccer players. A lot of, There's a lot of repeat a lot costumes. Of flavor in one party, though. Yeah. How did you deal with all the flavor there? With Guy I, Fieri? I, thought, I thought Ted Lasso was going to be the most popular costume for adults, but... Did Guy Fieri do something recently that made him a hot commodity? I, mean, I think he's just always been a hot commodity. Okay. I mean, he's a funny-looking dude. You get to dress in a funny-looking way. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess he's easily uh, transformed into a into a Halloween costume. Hey, it's New York City Marathon Week, Gordon. And uh, Woo. if you live in, let's see, Australia. Canada, UK, you can watch the the race live on Flow. We're going to do a huge, massive New York City Marathon preview on Friday. We'll talk about all the angles to the race. 
a new angle. Obviously, it's developed once we got word about what the World Championship selection procedure is for the Americans, but obviously the international field is stacked, big names across the board. The race is always good, and this is the last major of 2021. So all your New York City Marathon needs will be on this podcast. I'm excited to do that uh, preview show with you on on Friday, and then folks in those in those countries can check out the race itself on Sunday morning on Flowtrack. Yeah, should be good. Final marathon. There are still other marathons going around. There's another one live on Flow, the Barcelona Marathon this weekend. The Valencia Marathon is going to be a big marathon in December. Uh, so we're never going to run out of marathons, but this is the, the final official uh, major marathon. And mm -hmm. it's the, the final marathon of Shalane Flanagan's incredible journey, which is wild. Yes. And... Uh, she's been quoted, I believe, saying she's going to save the best for last. Yeah, she has. I was waiting for her to state her intentions for this last marathon because the previous set of marathons, the five have gone as good as anybody could have expected. And then she posted last week about how she's dealing with the off time, you could say, which is kind of a weird phrase because it's only been a couple of weeks and uh, the phrase and a great picture, by the way, too, of her running that virtual marathon in, in the, the, she ran the Tokyo marathon virtually in, in Portland. Uh, but yeah, she said she's saving the best for last in New York city, which I interpret Gordon as she is going to go for it, which is what we had hoped for after about the second one, once it was clear, Hey, she's going to be able to do sub three, at least after she did the Chicago Boston double, and we're thinking, man, if you can do that on no rest, what are you going to be able to do on a couple weeks rest when you don't have anything else after that to worry about? And I interpret that as she's going to go for it. Now, I just hope, I hope, I hope she starts with the elite field, but we don't know about that yet. Maybe we'll know by Friday. Part of me feels like she shouldn't have, like, was anyone asking for her to, like, run the Portland, run a Portland time trial marathon? Because... I don't think anyone's like being like, hey, it was canceled, so you can cancel it off your list. Like she, you know, if she just ran <laughs> she Berlin, London, Chicago, Boston, New York, people were like, okay. Yeah. But she's like, oh, I also did like my own marathon because technically there's another one that didn't happen. It doesn't happen until March. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I admire her commitment to those six marathons in seven weeks, but I or at the very least. She could have gone and run the 259 and and saved a little bit more. What's interesting, though, in her response is just she's talking about how to not knowing how to recover. And it's something I've wondered about. Now, clearly, more rest is going to be better when you're running this many races on top of each other. But for someone who had a whole career where they had this big, long buildup and then taper before these marathons to then go from that to all these happening in rapid succession, you don't really know how your legs are, are going to respond. I would think she'd be, you know, she would have been her best for the, the first one. And then this one, she'd start to get a little bit of her legs back underneath her, but she's done so well in the previous ones. I don't know. Does she get a bit stagnant in this off time in between the virtual one in Portland and, and New York City? Yeah. I don't know. It just... Do you train? I'm, I'm just, do, do you do another long run? 
Do you do nothing? Like she's, do you just sit in an I ice mean, bath for two weeks? She's already done like, you know, five long runs, like at marathon pace. Yeah. <laughs> right. right, in, right. A, in a weird way, right? Her like her mm-hmm. her five marathons are part of her basically her, her workout build up to New York City. It's like she's gonna have the most unique New York City build up of anyone ever in a field before, right? Most people yeah. are like, oh, how many how many times have you done a 22 miler or whatever? She's like, well, I've run 26 yeah. miles five times in the past, you know, <laughs> six weeks. So, yeah, at a hard. Well, pace. we don't know. It's hard to know how she's going to react because we've never seen anybody do this at this high of level before, with this level of experience and excellence coming in. I'm sure there's there's the people who I run a marathon a week and they do it for for charity, but this is a totally different ball game when you're talking about shalane flanagan doing it so we just have no clue how she's going to respond new york is a tough course too right you could say depending on on conditions the most challenging of that group there and it's going last but i just feel like when she says i save the best for last i i, I interpret that to mean she's going to put it all out there and i mean what what's her fastest time so far 23504 23504 She has two so, 235s. Yeah. So so if she runs her fastest one last, I mean going sub 235 in New, in New York is going to be that, that'll be a strong performance, but I I think looking at this she can go under sub 230, don't you? Yeah, I mean maybe we should put our put the brakes on it a bit, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, I guess technically we could see a sub 230. Uh, but you know, you say I'm saving the best for last. I think we're reading pretty little too deep into her Instagram uh, comments because uh, her Instagram messages. No because such thing. I think that's just a phrase people say. Oh, save the best for last. You know, last but not least. You know, I don't think she's telling us like, "Hey guys, I'm going to break the American record in the marathon because it's my <laughs> best for last." Like, no, just is, you know. Listen, though, this is the same person who had an out to not run that sixth marathon because Tokyo got canceled and she still did it. So maybe we should take her literally and it's going to be the best of the group. I don't know if it's best in terms of time, best in terms of effort, place. I'm not sure. Again, it would just be fun to see her start with the elite field. That's all I want. And I would have no expectations after that because what she's done is without precedent. Yeah, and then finish top two as finish top three at, in, as an American faster than what well, Sarah Hall did, and all of a sudden she's running in Eugene. No, that's not Boom. happening. But world okay. champs, world champs. That's marathon number seven. World champs. <laughs> Take a break for about eight nine months, and then come back next year. I'm looking at the rundown, Gore. We got a bunch of we got a bunch of like B and C stories. There's no like clear A story conference we talked about on friday for ncaa but we got a lot of names like we already talked about shalane flanagan we could talk about it kipchoge there's a story there mo farah alice wright connor mance the drake university men's cross-country team we got a lot of interesting things on the rundown uh you want to talk about the the kipchoge race that we had discussed previously he ran this 5,000 in paris with the champs Elysees where he was chasing people down and if he didn't catch you 
you were eligible to run in that Paris 2024 mass race marathon. And we wondered just how it would look. And it turns out it looked kind of awesome because he was flanked. He had more security basically than the Pope going through the streets uh, and they were on bikes and they were bobbing and weaving. And he was out there just like ruining. He was Kipchoge, the dream ruiner, basically. I mean, watch him just totally. I mean, he looks like he's moving here, Gordon. What sort of pace do you think this is? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because I guess when you put regular people next to him, you look like Usain Bolt running a marathon, right? It's kind of wild. Yeah. I just like this camera angle because I feel like I'm in like an action movie, like a, yeah. a marathon action movie. Uh, there was like a movie that was like, I never watched it, but it was 90 minutes long and it was from the perspective of like a GoPro on someone's forehead and it was like mm -hmm. in a, a whole thing. So you kind of get dizzy because you're seeing like the arms run. It remind me of that yeah. that movie of like someone jumping from one roof to another. Uh, but so those bikes were security. What did they need to secure? Were they worried people would like tackle him? Is Why didn't he need oh, security? Like ask for his know. autograph yeah. mid 5K? Like, hey, can I get a selfie? Is that what they're worried about? I mean, it made it look way cooler. Run the video again. I hope when he passed people, he's like, you're done. You're gone. <laughs> No race Stay for you, home. 2024. Yeah. Hey, you're not running in Paris. What are you doing in a couple of years? Not running here because I'm going to be here. I just, I like to think he just whispers some comments to, to people. But he, look at his, his cadence here and you look at how quick the bikes are going. He's moving pretty quick. This isn't just a matter of perspective uh, against people running eight, nine minute miles. He's, he's huffing along. And then right here at the end, all yeah. these people are so lucky. There's no, like 10, there's so 15 people there. There's so many passes right at the end. Oh, that, that's the worst. You just you run a full 5K. You see, like, I'm going to 2024 to run this marathon. And then Kipchoge nips you at the line. Like, yeah. that is just like, ooh. Hit him while you're down, Kipchoge. Why did you have to do, do that to that, that pack of people in blue T-shirts? Oh. <laughs> like, like yeah. do you think he realized he, like, killed someone's dream? By like yeah. a half a second at that moment. He should have been like, let yeah. up, let him go, and then cross the finish line. But no. He had some it's, sort it's of incentive. Killer. He was he was snatching souls out there, Gordon. Maybe the bikes were only for the you know, the camera shots, I guess. But there's only there's only one guy doing ca the camera work and the guy has the camera in his teeth, which which is incredible. But I I guess he shouldn't want to run into any trouble here. So here's the a quote from a story in uh inside the games it says in excess of a thousand runners finished before the marathon world record holder and double olympic champion earning them places in the mass participation event in three years time so a thousand people beat him and there was a total of 3600 so he passed 2600 people in a 5k that's got to be <laughs> that's a, a fun experience people. 20, so hold on, let's get some, let's do math with Kevin here. So 2,600 people divided by 3.1. So per mile, how many, he's passing 838 people per mile. He's passing that's per, one person that's every two meters. <laughs> every two meters. That's a person. unique experience. How many people have said they've been able to do that.
You know, you get in some of these cross country races and you get stuck in the back and your coach yells at you to, to pick it up. And it feels like you flew by half the field, but you didn't pass 838 people in a mile like Kipchoge did in Paris. I like this. I want more of this. I want to hear from a person. I want to hear from the person who got nipped at the line by Kipchoge and how the guy had just plans three years time. He's going to use this as a motivation factor to get where he needed to be. Maybe he's going to, he was going to like propose to a significant other at the finish line in a couple of years. He had it all mapped out and then Kipchoge with one stride, just ended it all. Ended it all. Look how, just, look how confident he is. He's just like, that's the look of a guy who just sent 2,600 people packing. Let's see ya. <laughs> and then if you're the first person out, did the first person <laughs> out just feel like I'm done? Like, Maybe the first person out thought like had no chance. Well, didn't even know. Maybe like was like, oh wait, why is this guy going so fast? Like, why is he in my corral? Like, this is like the yeah, ten yeah. minute pace corral. Why is he here? This guy What's clearly the... didn't know how to how marathon how five k's work. He should have been in the front. Does it have the head start he got? Or sorry, not the head start, but the head start everybody else had. And oh, I don't did know. they do a good? Because, I mean, the, the the speed with which he was flying by some of those people, presumably midway, it, it almost seemed like it was geared to, I wonder if they thought, hey, we want a thousand people in this race. So let's, let's build the corrals that way. And did anybody hold on? Was... Did they, well, I'm thinking, question... did they let, did they let, was it basically you were running against a self-imposed oh, so he ran 1425 here we go he's the last man to start at 1425 but like did everybody start at the same time is my question or did some people get to start ahead of other people other than just kipchoge because just looking at that the speed it was hard to tell but 1425 is that's cruising marathon pace for him that's that's his marathon pace is pretty damn good yeah, but it's also like, you know, mad slow, man. Come on. He should be running 1330s. Yeah, that's too many bikes in his way. The bikes couldn't keep up. There's just no way he's going over speed bumps. So, yeah, so 3,500. This says 3,500 people started. The other one said 3,600. So, around, so 1,000 people beat him. So, he, he beat anywhere between 2,500 and 2,600 is what we'll say from this estimate, which means Gordon's math is about right. He passed someone every two meters. And he could have passed about 30 other people if the race went on for about one more meter, it looked like, with all that group just getting across the line. That's fun, though. I Did like you know it. that Shogi and uh, LeBron James are the same age? Never thought about that. Do you think? All I know is I'm older than both of them. Do you think their success is like mirrored? You know what I mean? Well, Kipchoge was awesome on the track and then had a little bit of a down couple of years of his career and then reinvented himself in the marathon and then became the greatest of all time. LeBron's was a little more like a steady progression. I feel like he had some bumps along the way, but the marathon changed Kipchoge's career, obviously, but he had this whole well, other second act early on. 
So what year did LeBron James join the league? Was it 2003? It was 03, wasn't it? Yeah. You know what 03 was? That was the year he won his that first was... world title. Paris 5K. Title. Yeah. And then yeah. But LeBron didn't, his... LeBron didn't win the title in 03. It's just when he got drafted. So, yeah, but that's that. winning a title. You get you get to go to the NBA. Uh, 2016, he wins Olympic gold. Was that the year LeBron won with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, yeah, 16 is when they won with the Cavs. And then Wait, technically, technically, I know 2021, he won Olympic gold again. But technically, that's a 2020 Olympics. And in 2020, he won with the Lakers. What year did LeBron go to the Heat? Uh, so 11, 12, 13, 14, he was with the Heat. So, so 11, 11 was when he went. Okay. 2010, 2011. What year did Kipchoge debut in the marathon? Um, marathon 2013. Okay, it doesn't work then. Never mind. I thought we were on to something. We are not on to something. Yo, but no, 2013, that's when, you know, that's that's during the time when he was went to Miami. He was in Miami at that. It's like the middle of Miami, you know, so. Yeah. I was just thinking career changes, trying to find something there that mirrored each other. Not quite. All right. Enough LeBron talk. Lakers or whatever. Um. Let's see, what else? I'm just jumping around here. Oh, Mo Farah. Let's talk about Mo Farah. So there's a headline in The Sun in the UK, and it says, one Mo run. I hope when Mo <laughs> Farah retires. That's a great start. <laughs> I hope when Mo Farah retires, the headline is one Mo pun, because they've gotten a lot of mileage out of the fact that his name is Mo over the years. And I hope that the British media pays homage to it by recognizing that He's given them so much. Anyway, the headline says, Mo Farah targets one final summer of glory with London 2012 hero determined not to let career end on a failure. That's just the perfect British framing of this story. So he goes on to say that he wants to compete. London 2012 hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been knighted and all that stuff, right? So he's got the Sir Mo on the bib. He's saying he wants to wear the British kit, kit again, but doesn't say in what capacity, whether or not it'd be the world champs, Commonwealth Games, European Championships. Does mention he has the ankle injury. Obviously, remember, he did not qualify for the Olympics last year, or this year, excuse me, in the 10,000, took a couple cracks at getting the qualifying time and didn't get it. But he said he's not done yet. He said he's still hungry for more. He ruled out Paris 2024 because he said he'd be 41 at that point, talked about maybe running in the London Marathon as well, too. But the main thing from the article is the British kit wearing that again. And there's a couple good quotes in here that I wanted to point out. The first one, he says, the world champs in Oregon? Listen, I couldn't even qualify for Tokyo. So that's the first step, you know. You, can, you cannot just say, I'm going to the world champs. He went on to say, if Tokyo had happened the way I wanted it to happen, that could have been it. But because it didn't happen, it's different, which makes sense. He wanted the one final swan song, the last opportunity to compete. And he wanted the, the perfect ending, didn't get it. So now he's in search of it. But this is where it can become difficult 
because the more you dig, the more you go, the more opportunities uh, elude you, the tougher it gets to get it back. And then it's, man, Farrah's been at this for, you know, he's trying to do the swan song now for six months and 12 months and 18 months and, and 24 months. I think it's great when, you know, at, compete as long as you want. It's awesome. I love it when all athletes do this. It doesn't, people get mad because it like ruins the ending. No, go until you have absolutely nothing left. But very few people get the send off that they dream of, especially if you're someone who's been as successful as Mo Farah. What is the proper way to go out? Is it a, is a Commonwealth gold good enough? Is it, like you said, making a, a world champs? one last world champs and getting sixth. Is that okay? It's hard to do this. And when you chase it, it, it can get difficult to know when the right time to bow out is. Yeah. What? I don't know what, uh, I mean, I don't think, I just don't think he should want to like dream of participation. Like the idea that like, I just want to wear the British Jersey one more time. That's like, for him, he should recognize, like, I don't know, he's bigger than that in my mind. Like, he's worn it so many sure. times that's like, like, it'd be like an NBA player. I'd be like, I just want to play one more basketball game. Like, I feel like an NBA player is like, I want to win one more title. Or, I, you know, I want right. to win one more Super Bowl. But, like, but he I want to just... He didn't get it, though. He didn't get it though. That's the thing. He lost it. He didn't get to do it in 2021. So I think getting it back would qualify as a success, even even though it's farther away. So it didn't work out in the 10K. Marathon doesn't seem to be it's tough. His bread and butter. It's tough. It's a lot of miles. Easy to get hurt. This is what we should do. Hey Mo, you want. You want to uh, go out in style? You want to have an ability mm -hmm. to wear that British kit one more time? It's not about having one more run. Have one more walk. Become a race walker. Qualify. You could be the first ever mm. dual race walking, long distance athlete to represent one country in two different... Like, we talk about the thing Mo... Like four, eight doubles, Allison Felix, two, four, all these doubles, the five, 10K double. Do the race walk, 10K double. Not in the same year, obviously, but qualify for world championships in both the race walk and 5K, 10K is within one career. That's what you need to do. Become a race walker. Is that, is that stat actually real or did you just make that up that no one's ever done that before? I made it up, but when I think about it, I could have accidentally made up a correct stat. If someone in the chat wants to tell me of another infamous race walker, 10K yeah. athlete, I'm all ears. But I maybe someone back. I have day. a feeling there's only been zero, and he could become the one. How great would that be? How he would draw so many eyes to the race walk. We talk the race walk, yeah. notoriously underrepresented and under talked about. We never talk about it. A lot of other people don't talk about it. Just race walkers talk about it, and they tell us in Twitter that we need to talk about it more. But if Mo Farah 
qualify for the race walk, dude, we would all get mm-hmm. excited. We would all watch it. We all would want to see. Yeah. It'll be like when J- Jim Walmsley was running the Olympic trials. Like, what's this, you know, this ultra guy going to do, trail guy is going to do in the marathon? People are going to want to know what does the double Olympic champion do in a race walk. That's what he, he needs to do. He has the fitness. I think he, he just needs to get the form, and then he's there. One foot on the ground. One mo walk. Uh, I don't think he does that. I think I don't think he wants to do the marathon, but I think he'd rather do the marathon than than race walk. I think the path is going to be qualifying for something this year, whether it's Commonwealth, European, or World Champs. But then the 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 real send off. The article makes reference to Paula Radcliffe's final race at the London Marathon. I think he does one more marathon in London, and then he gets the gets the stage, gets the applause, and the expectations there are low too. So no one expects him to go out with the win there. So if he runs you know, a solid fourth or fifth, I think I think that would please him at this point. But it's interesting just how quickly things. I mean, with everybody, how quickly things changed because it was like, you know, he's still still around. And then I remember 2019, he was hinting at potentially running in in Doha at the World Championships, didn't do it, obviously. But then we're like, all right, just to set up for 2020 in Tokyo, he's going to get ready. He's going to make a comeback. It's going to be an epic 10K with, you know, Cheptegei, all, all the Ethiopians, all the Kenyans. It's going to be a, a, a battle. And... 2020 obviously didn't happen. And then before you knew it, it's which, what event is he in? And he was just out there. And then we weren't even really, I wasn't even paying any attention to, hey, is he even going to get the standard for 2021? I thought for sure. I thought the question would be just how could he actually contend for a medal again? And he didn't even make the team, but 38 years old. So as he says in the article, he's getting on a bit. I mean, he's, Five years removed, right? Wait. 2022 will be five years removed from when he was the last time he was like a relevant, like, world-renowned competitor in track and field, right? 2017. So, I mean, I it just seems like why do you need to extend it a, a fifth year? Like, isn't four years of, like, kind of – Swan songing. It's a really long swan song. That's what I'm saying. This is we're going on a five year swan song, right? Because you start chasing. It's like gambling. You you go you go down a little bit, and then you try to get it back, and then you have to bet more to get it back, and then you're in in a worse position than you were when you started. That's why he's he's trying to recapture some of that. And if he's looking at 2021 as a failure, he's like, well, I don't want to end with that as my last race. I want to. I want to end with something positive. But you're right. You know, seventeen. But seven. The thing was, seventeen. He runs twenty six forty nine. You know, he medals. Yeah. And then he's good. Eight eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. It's more about the roads, and then nineteen as well. And then before you know it, it's hey, what happened to Mofera? So I mean, nineteen. Yeah. He ran, he ran a, a 10K. I mean, his, he ran 28-15 was his season best on the 
in, in the 10K. I mean, it wasn't, it was mostly a road-based thing and the road had never really worked out. So as, as well as people probably thought it could. I mean, he still ran fast, but he had the unfortunate honor of competing at the same time as Elliot Kipchoge and a bunch of other fast guys. Anyway. One thing that is kind of wild, though, when you do look at his when, – one last thing. When you look at his 10K he ran in 2021, he ran 27.47 yeah. in 2021. His first 10K yeah. was in 2008. He ran 27.44. So over a span of 13 years, he was only three seconds slower. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty wild. That's the life cycle, life cycle of the athlete. Starts to mim the end starts to mimic the beginning. I remember with 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 Alan Webb towards the end, you're just like, oh man, like what did he do at high school or what, what did he run as a sophomore? And here he is back, kind of where he started. But that's seems to be how it goes. So we'll see. We'll see what Farah ends up doing next year. Uh, Mo Farah, of course, though Gordon, our world record holder, and we had another attempt at the at an hour record. Although this was the British women's hour record. And we talked about it before. Alice Wright gets it done. 17,044 meters. And you predicted it down to the meter, did you not? I did. I had the plus, mm -hmm. I had the over under at 1744 and a half. I took the under. Perfect under, you know, 1744. <laughs> nice job. Nice uh, job. But yeah, Alice Wright, she Instagrams out. Teamwork makes the dream work. Great line. Mm -hmm. uh, so insanely grateful for all the support leading up and during. Oh, I was reading that. Uh, Travis, I lost. Uh, support leading up and during the event. You know who you are, but to my wonderful team. Uh, she mentioned her sponsors. Thank you. It was such a special evening, and I'm delighted to now hold the British Hour track record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does take a lot of. Did she have the lights on this? Because I remember when they did this before with Hassan and Farah, they had the lights. I don't I can't tell from, uh, let's see. doesn't look like they do. Oh, no. Yeah, they don't have the lights. No, no. No lights, just pacers. So if you don't have lights, you need pacers. So congrats to her and her her team for putting it all together. That's a lot to, to coordinate. And now the British record is north of 17. The British women's record is north of 17,000 meters. So, yeah, Mo Farah on the men's side and Alice Wright on the women's side with these marks. Um, yeah, that does make me think about Farah. That was 2020 when he ran 21,330 meters. But I don't think any of us at the time were like, hey, Farah's 100% back because he has this hour record. I think we were like, hey, it's kind of a weird record that Mo Farah got. I wonder why he's going for it. But when Safan Hassan did it, we're like, oh man, she's in crazy shape. This makes sense. She's stupid fast at the 15, and now she's setting one-hour records as well, too. But, uh, yeah, Alice Wright gets it done. Um, got two other things I want to get to. Did you see – we didn't talk about the Missouri Valley Conference in the cross-country recap on Friday. Did you see the Drake men celebrate across the line with uh, Adam Fogg and Alec Baston? No, but I'm excited to watch it in real time right now. Okay. Is there a great... You're going to watch... Do we have... Oh, we have it? Oh, okay. It's on YouTube. There you go. It's on YouTube. Let's see if we can run this. This is the end of the Missouri Valley 
conference. So Fogg puts his arms up. Basson puts his arms up. Then Basson jumps, does 360s. Fogg pirouettes, <laughs> goes all the way across the line. A lot of celebrating. I love it. Underrated part of this, though, is Fogg stopping his watch throughout all of this. When, first of all, cross country, your time couldn't be less relevant. But then after you've done about six pirouettes, four high fives, and are clearly jogging, to have the wherewithal to say, you know what? Still got to log this. I still got to figure out this time afterwards to click it as he crosses the line. But I, it had been a while since I'd seen a celebration like this. And well-deserved. No one else was in the shot. Uh, I say if you win by a margin this big, you celebrate like that. And some, yeah. some great photos. Just produce some – I mean, these photos yeah, are awesome. The, photos. Like the, still, yeah. the stills are great too, right? Like that's great. Like that is – that's incredible. Here's like the, the video itself is – is cool, but just the jumping, the Bastion's just pure joy. The guy did not, the guy was not stressed at all. The guy just starts just skipping across the finish line. He could have gone on for another, he keeps going actually after the finish line. He had another four or five K in him. They were very excited. They, they almost seemed like they were surprised with what they did. Like they dominated awesome. pretty, they dominated pretty simply that they probably should have it was definitely seems like it was an expected result. I mean, obviously Adam Fogg, he's good. He's like a very good miler. He uh, made mm -hmm. the NCAA indoor meet last year. Kind of was like the surprise underdog to make the final. Um, but hey, man, Drake's cooking up something special. We got some uh, pretty mm -hmm. good guys now. Uh, excited to see what they do. Um, I mean, they're in the Midwest. I'm the, Drake's in the Midwest region, so. Mm -hmm. They're gonna go up against some pretty tough individuals in Kip Two and Rodriguez, uh, but maybe they can find a way to sneak on and make it a an at large bid as a individual. So that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, there's something special about your conference meet where even if you're heavily favored, if you win, it still means something. And then where it sits in the season, yeah, it's very serious, but the level of competition only goes up for here. From here so this is the opportunity that you have to to really celebrate because everybody gets behind a conference title everybody gets excited about a conference title yeah and the meet happened in a city named normal illinois normal illinois that's such a very normal name normal in illinois <laughs> do you think there if there go. was a dual meet if there was a dual meet between the best team from normal illinois and the best team from boring oregon who do you think would win <laughs> average the average runner whoever is average would just win from the normal yeah. illinois boring boring oregon Some funny clackamas boring clackamas oregon. county yeah seven thousand people i'm looking up right now i remember hearing about that when i was in college i said no there's not really a town called boring is there yep indeed there is so congrats to drake great celebration don't stop doing it do it at region too if you beat kip to at region i want to see even more pirouettes <laughs> I want to see a backflip. That's what I want to see. Yes. Slip and slide. Especially if it's muddy like it was. Go head first across it, Adam, Alec. Really go for it. Explore the studio space. Explore the cross-country course. Really get creative with the celebrations. That was cool. It, it also reminded me, too, have you ever watched the end of ultras or triathlons where they obviously really don't care about time at all either? So they're ahead by... A couple minutes 
and they know they're ahead by a couple minutes and then they start the celebration real early and they're running with the flag and they're high-fiving people and they even walk the last couple steps across the line because they're so tired. Now, this was the opposite because they clearly weren't tired at all. But just the, hey, the time does not mean anything. No one is near us at all. Let's just enjoy the moment. Let's share it with each other and with the the crowd out there. It was made so much better because there was two of them too. Just two of them just yeah. gallivanting across the finish line. It was incredible. Good old conference championship weekend. It was a wild weekend. I can't believe yeah. we did a whole recap podcast and me dressed up as a cookie though. Those those YouTube clips are out in the universe now and someone's going to watch yeah. it like two weeks from now. Oh, what happened at Pac-12s? It was like late to the game. And we be like, what is yeah, yeah, yeah. going on with Jordan's face? Because you I look said. normal. You just look like you're wearing a green shirt. Yeah, yeah. It didn't capture the whole uh, essence of the Ninja Turtles. But that's what I said. And then sure enough, the clips were up there. It was like bulletin board material for Notre Dame. And there's Gordon. <laughs> Gold paint all over his face. Uh, we had an email that was interesting that I wanted to read uh, from Benjamin. Says, I'm no cross country history buff, but I'm wondering who the most dominant NCAA cross country in history is, runner in history is. Says, he's a huge BYU fan. I'm wondering if Connor Mance could be in the discussion if he wins his next two races, regionals, and nationals below the results from his entire BYU cross country career. So he goes through, started back in, in 18, uh, obviously 19. He won four meets in 2019 and then got fourth at region, third at NCAAs, 2020. He won uh, everything except the Oklahoma State meet where he got second. And then this year he's four, four, four. So he'd be six for six if he wins his final two races. Uh, Connor Mance has been great. I, you know, he's a favorite to win this year. He could repeat, but he's not. He's not. Because in NCAA cross country, all the weight goes to national championships, in my opinion, because as we've mentioned time and time again on the show, it's really oriented on one meet. So to figure out who the best cross-country runner of all time is, you really can just count national championships. And there are four guys in front of him who have won three titles. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of back-to-back -back people as well, too, or two titles within their career. But Henry Rono, Jerry Lindgren, Pree, and Edward Cheserek all won three titles. So... That's the starting point you have to get to to be in the discussion. Now, amongst those four, then you could have a, a spirited argument, but I think that's the, the minimum bar you have to hit to be considered in the discussion. Now, on the women's side, only one woman's done it, Sally Kipiego, so I'm confident in saying Sally Kipiego is the greatest NCAA women's cross-country runner in history. Case closed. Done. So... I th Connor Mance is the favorite right now, so I think he might win. But he's not like a a dominating dominating favorite because you know that like Kip Two looks good. There's other guys out there that will the shot. But at the end of the day, Mance is beating them all, so you gotta just give it to Mance. Uh, but if Mance does win too, he's only a junior now. I don't think he's gonna come back, but. If you wanted to come back, yeah, let's just pretend in a world where he decides to be uh, whatever sixth or seventh year COVID senior and comes back and does get three, but he does it in five attempts. He'd be a five-time All-American 
with three titles. Right. That's going to be better than anything Chez or Rono or any of those guys have ever done because they only well, they only were All-America four not, times. That's not fair. But look, Chez had the – when he was not winning, Chez got third. When Pre didn't win, he got third. So even their worst – their non-title winning performance was still – was still really good. Yeah, it would require him winning this year and then coming back again and doing something special. It's tough to break up this group, though. People who were more plugged into those those previous eras. I mean, we obviously remember Chez very vividly because it was not too long ago. But, you know, Rono has that famous 28-07 cross-country mark. Now, how much do you want to wait times in cross-country? Also, the differing eras, too. You know, what... Lingren obviously competed against different caliber of athletes than different types of athletes than than Chez has. So you could factor that in as well too. But for me, it's just all about the national championships. Because even when you look back at Connor Mance's career and and you look at you know Ben's email here, it's like he got, you know, in 2019, you're you're looking, he got fourth at regionals. But like, did he really get fourth at regionals or did he just cruise in? He just cruised in. Cruised in. He probably yeah. could have finished. A lot higher. So I'm throwing all that that stuff out. Track is just way easier because you have times to use for people and you have more of an expectation that people are going all out. And then you yeah, you look at like what Rono did on the track. It's just insane. And obviously Pre had an incredible run there as well too on the track and, and Lingren and Chez. So that that conversation though would be who is the best NCAA distance runner of all time, which would be an entirely different question in and of itself. But to me, you just you just count. You just count. And if someone wins four, they're the best. That's it. And I guess the best opportunity to win four would have been right now because of the COVID year. You know, if something happens in the future to where people get an extra year, then you have that opportunity. But you'd have to weight that against it as well, too. But, I mean, when you were watching Chez, were you thinking to yourself, not being aware or alive during those other guys, like, hey, this is the probably the best cross country runner in history. Was that your feeling? Yeah, I think Cheswick is the best NCAA runner in history, regardless of event, regardless of field event, sprint event, distance, cross country. Wow, interesting. He's eighteen titles. Eighteen. Grant Holloway doesn't have eighteen. Grant Holloway was amazing. There's a lot of people out there. Galen Rupp doesn't have 18. Galen Rupp was amazing. You keep going. I could go on and on and on. Carl Lewis was good. He doesn't have 18. You know. Cheserek is 18. Cheserek is the GOAT of NCAA running. And it's not even close. There's no one who will How ever. How many Bowermans does he have, though? That's Here's why the, the Bowerman is, is a fraudulent award because the greatest of all time doesn't have one. You know, it'll be you go. It would be you, like you die. Tom Brady never winning an MVP award. It wouldn't make any sense. Or LeBron or Michael Jordan never winning MVP awards. No, they got to win at least one to to legitimize that award. If they never gave LeBron James or Michael Jordan the MVP in the NBA, the person winning the MVP would be considered a mockery because like it's not a real award. Because you didn't give it to MJ or LeBron. Same thing here. Yeah. Bowerman. It's not a real award unless you give I, the greatest of all time it. And they didn't do it. They gave it to some Lord guy Lord who Lord. broke uh, a made up record. I was just 
That was just debate, Jordan. So. I I look at I look at but like to when I was researching this stuff, I get reminded like Rono when he was in college broke four world records. That's tough to beat too. Dude ran 8.05 in the steeple. This was 1978. He ran 8.05 in the steeple, and then 7.32 in the 3K. That's that's pretty crazy, too. It's it's tough. We should do a separate episode on that question about greatest NCAA athlete. Of Breaking all time. world records in the in the 70s, 60s, 80s, whenever I don't know when. I 50s, just told, 40s. 78. I just told you the time. He ran 8:05 in the steeple. 8:05 in the steeple, though. That's that's real. 13:08. Yeah, do we even know That's if the ridiculous. barriers were the right height? There is a, you know, we don't know that. It's happened in the seventies. We don't know what's going on. Who, you know. who can say? Wait, they didn't have rulers back then. I think Cheserick so could probably run eight oh five in a steeple if he was asked to. In his, Let's, he was running like thirteen teens. He was a three fifty miler. Come on, he could have run eight oh five. Let's let's remember this for March because we always are looking for a bracket gimmick. And let's just do greatest. No, let's do it. Let's like do it for March, and we'll do greatest NCAA track and field. Do we it's include Chesar. cross as well too? You include every one. It's Chesar. You know what? You can include freaking uh, Ledecky in swimming, and it's still Cheserek. You can you include any NCAA sport? It's still Cheserek. He won eighteen times. One eight. Because you don't want to do this. And same. he won 18 times where he didn't even compete in one of the seasons. So he could have had like 20, but he got hurt. He could have got to 20. You talking about his senior year? Yeah. He should have pulled a Mo Farah and refused to go out like that. Just kept coming back. Yeah. That one wasn't working. All right, so you don't want to no, do the segment. Do, so can, no, I do want to do a segment. No, we can still do the segment. I'm just going to tell you, like, the bracket is, like, it's rigged if he doesn't win. I think – well, here's the thing with Chez. He's, he was there for a while, too. Yeah. Because there's, there's other people who obviously could have racked up some numbers but left after a year or two. And he's he stuck around, which works in his favor. I just don't know how yeah, fair is think... it to include Cross if you're comparing him to track athletes. Well, the but indoor compared if someone does a sport that you know it's you can't do like a two hundred uh, uh like the sixty two hundred. It's not the same as one and two. You know, it's all this stuff. The problem but, is uh, you're gonna discount. You're gonna be like nothing before nineteen ninety nine counts. That's the problem. No, I'm say, not going to say that, the but I'm not going to, but I'm not going to say Owens? like, oh, no, but it's bullshit to like, say like, oh, it broke the world record. Like it is not, are we saying like a runner isn't going to be good in the NCAA unless they run like, like 13, uh, 12, 40 in a 5k. Like that's ridiculous. That's not happening. What? We're not going to see a 19 year old who lives in Stillwater run a 12.45K at, like, the Drake dual wow. meet. You know, that's not happening. Dave Smith's going to be texting you soon. 
That was because they don't have the lights. They don't have the lights on Stillwater. You just maybe still maybe they do at OSU. They got some money over there. Just don't put limits on the program over there. Listen, in his era, he was best of all time, and he's in college. I think that's worth considering. And the time holds up too. His time is still faster than what Ches ran, right? In college. Okay, here's a question. Imagine if every great young athlete, like Ingebrigtsen or a young Kenyan, Ethiopian, imagine if 70% of them all run in the NCAA. We would see more, we would see world records in the NCAA. But because that's the sport, has gotten more has gotten bigger over time it's easier for elite athletes to not have to go to the ncaa therefore we you know you don't see as many world type level marks at the ncaa level because yeah but you can get great training in europe you can get great training in nairobi in jamaica Okay, but 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 like the record, but the record is the record. I don't I don't understand. Like Rono still has he has the top five steeple marks in NCAA history. Still. Yeah, well, okay. First of all, we're talking about the steeplechase. It's an event that like how it's many 5, people 000, were one running the steeple has in 1978? Hold on, hold on. Well, one, we couldn't even do it till like '96. One one person has run faster than the 5,000 and that was Lowy when he ran it indoors and beat him by a 10. So tier Grijalva, all that, none of those guys rub, no one could touch him in the five. I'm just saying there's some, there's some people and I'm just, I'm sure there's other folks as well too, who are just timeless. Like Jim Ryan just put up these marks that are ridiculous. And obviously they dominated their era that are, that are worth considering, but Hey, we'll, we'll do the thing. We'll have the, we'll have the, the bracket. And you can make your case. Oh, I will. I will make my case. Uh, there's nothing that you're more passionate about, I know, in the world. Than yeah, I don't even think Chez knows how passionate I am about him not getting the Bowerman. I think I mentioned to it one time. And he laughed. You probably scared him. He probably agrees with me. But I do, I do remember running into Robert Johnson, Oregon head coach, in an elevator. And... He always has like this thought that I'm like I'm anti-organ. It's crazy. Every school thinks I'm anti their school because I don't know how it's possible. But like, I was there was like a like a yeah. Anyway, you, sh- you should they all just you should do a like, segment. You don't like us. That's another idea for a segment. We'll go through every school and you'll explain where where you went wrong according to them. Yeah, but like it's game, crazy. Right? Like every school thinks I don't like them and like. I rank you second in the nation, and you're like, you guys hate us. I'm like, what? I'm saying you're better than 355 other schools. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So. Why they hate Gordon? The, we'll call it that. The, Travis. Travis in the will come elevator. up with a, a, a cool thumbnail. It'll say, why they hate Gordon, colon, Texas. And then just we could yeah. do like 300 pieces of content this way. Anyway, talk about yes. the elevator. What happened? So I was in the elevator. It was at like a, a press conference at an NCA meet. It was like a year or half. I'm not sure. It was after Chesarek basically graduated and wasn't going to get the Bowerman. Uh, and I, I mentioned it that it's like a travesty into him in the elevator. And he was like, 
he agreed with me, but he was also confused because it's like, wait, you think that Cesarek deserved it? Like you're pro Oregon? I'm like, yeah, dude. Like I, I, I recognize real and he deserved it. And he like, he was, he also agreed with me. He was like, yeah, it's travesty that Chez didn't get it. It's like, they should have given to him like freshman year, at least they didn't want to do it. Cause they thought, oh, we'll get to him by sophomore, by junior, by senior year. And then he gets hurt senior year. Jezrek could have jogged senior year and they would have given it to him. But then yeah. Jezrek got hurt, so they couldn't. And every voter from the three previous years, they know, they go to bed at night, they'll go to their grave knowing they made him, they made it a, a, a huge error. Like, if I ever become the president of the coaches association of whatever, I will rescind all three Bowermans that were given out during Jezrek's three years and i would give him all we got to get cole we got to get cold the producer who does not probably know who edward chesarek is to just get you to like to get him to mute you every time we hear chesarek uh i'm looking at these all-time lists man jenny simpson i think we forget no one's been within six seconds of her 1500 meter record and her 5000 meter mark which was indoors right but if you just overall indoor outdoor 1501.70, the next fastest, 1509, Kim Smith. So no one's been within eight seconds of her 5,000 record. That's impressive. It's impressive. Um, Anthony asks, uh, Stephen Francis, Elaine Thompson, Rod's former coach, said she left for money and won't be successful going forward. Do you have any insight on this? I watched that video. Uh, Jamaican TV did this interview with him, and it was incredible. We can talk about that on Wednesday. It just was really interesting because he was very forthright for the most part. And just the level of co uh, coverage they did on this thing, it, it was pretty cool to see track covered like a major sport. Like, they played this 15-minute interview, Gordon, and then they go back to the host in the studio, and he's like, and we'll have more reaction to this Elaine Thompson hurrah news coming up after the break. I was like, I need to subscribe to this channel. Like, what is this? I, can I get this on my TV? This is incredible. Like, they, they didn't do just They did a full 15-minute interview with the coach, and then they were going to come back and discuss it. Like, I don't know if it was going to be a panel. Or what? I was all in. Like I was like, where's this on yeah. YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Stephen A is coming on. It was, it was incredible. But uh, yeah, he had a bunch. It, it's very clear they're not working together anymore. That was my one takeaway. But then asks about the new athlete, who it might be. Uh, and he basically said, well, I get asked a lot by Nike. And usually I kind of tell them, nah, I'm good with my group. And I don't know if that's the case going forward. But, you know, they were basically implying like, hey, is it Richardson? Is it, so it's going to be, is it going to be Richardson? Which made me think, and I have no idea if it, what what her camp or what her team thinks, but like Stephen Francis, the coach, has in his hands the power to cause so much interest in track and field to create so much. <laughs> just this one because he's basically saying if it, and I don't know if it's her, no idea if it's her, but if it is, he's basically saying in the past I've just been able to push this stuff off and I do well enough with my own group. I don't need to take people on. But if he just decides, hey, I want to be an agent of chaos right now, he can make some waves. He he could make track and field, take it to a whole new level next year. So he's like that Joker we, gif. You know, like, and yes. here we go. Go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He could he could cause some stuff. So uh I'll let you watch that though. And before next time, because I didn't, I didn't put on the rundown, and then you can tell me what you what you think. Because there were some definitely interesting takeaways from it, some stuff I didn't know. So. You know, it'd be wild. Hmm. 
I don't imagine Shikari get like starts training with Stephen Francis, moves to Jamaica, falls in love with another Jamaican, gets married, then gets dual citizenship, and then is running at like the Jamaica trials in like 2028. And like chaos. Totally different direction. I just thought it'd be interesting to have the the old the coach of the rival become the the coach of the the, the challenger. And you know, he's had he had Fraser Price, he had Thompson Hurrah. And then her, it would be, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because it would be too interesting of a story for it to yeah. happen, but it would be track doesn't do unlike, I, it would be unlike anything we've seen in, in track in this, this current era. Again, there's been some, obviously some coaching switches with rivals and things like that, but the level of um, animosity that it appears most of the Jamaican fans have towards her, <laughs> that does not have a, a rival, but. We, we we can discuss that more on on Wednesday once we get a chance to to go through the interview again. Uh, emails flowtrackpodcast at gmail Send us emails because we'll have time to discuss uh, a bunch of stuff on Wednesday before we do the big, massive New York City Marathon preview on Friday. Again, subscribe to the regular Flow Track YouTube page as well too to get Gordon's NCAA Cross Country Show and my race breakdowns. I've done two so far. Did Latenza Bet Gaday last week and then Jakob Ingerbitz in the week before. Got another distant star coming this Friday. Thank you to Colt for producing. Thank you to Travis as well. Talk to you guys on Wednesday.